the enthusiasm in the room this morning. <laughs> yeah, excited to be here with everyone today. I'm really excited uh, to deliver uh, this message with us. We're continuing our Paradox series, and today uh, we're discussing the paradox of the kingdom, that the kingdom is now, but it's also not yet. So we're going to talk about how the reality of God's powers at work in the world today But it's also not completely the way that it should be or that it could be fully yet. So we're going to talk about how changing the way that we look at this, changing the way that we view this, can really drive us deeper into a more full experience with God uh, today. So let's dive in. Um, I love movies. Do we have any movie lovers here? I love movies. We should go see a movie later, uh, all of us. I love how... What's that? Oh, the IMAX is open. We should all go see a movie later. That'd be awesome. Yeah, we should go see all the movies there. And, uh, yeah, but I love how a good movie can really draw you in to a, a good story that's bigger than life, right? And it, it can make you feel things, and it expresses things about reality and, and truth that maybe you couldn't say in your own words, right? But you see a movie, and you're like, yes, okay, that's how it's supposed to be. I couldn't have said it like that, but they just said it for me. You guys can relate to that? You see a good movie? Now, I can... I can appreciate, you know, the, like, mindlessly entertaining movies, you know, like The Expendables or Terminator or something like that. But most of the movies that would be, like, on any sort of top ten for me, the ones I really gravitate towards are the ones that, like, uh, express things that I long for. You know, like, inside, I'm like, man, yes, that's the way it's supposed to be. Maybe it's, like, the way, showing the way the world could be or the hero lives in such a way that, man, I wish my life was like that. Like, how come I can't live like that? For instance... Uh, the classic war movie, Saving Private Ryan. Have you guys seen that movie? Yeah, the main characters, like, they live in with such courage, with such self-sacrifice that, you know, at the end of the movie, I'm like, man, like, what would I do if I was in that situation? Like, would I have what it takes to stand up and do what was right in that situation, or would I fall under the pressure? You know, just like, there's something that they do that I long for, right? And how many of you guys like Pixar movies? Pixar movies? Or a little uh, reminiscent uh, picture. Do we have that picture? Yeah, we do. Yeah. So everyone just start crying for your childhood right now. Um, I love Pixar movies because they're these cartoons that have very little bearing in reality, right? And it's like there's, there's like no one sees talking, you know, toys and stuff in real life, right? But you're crying at the end of a Pixar movie because it, you can relate to it in some way. And it expresses something that you feel all the time or that you can relate to. And it's like, yes, that's the way it's supposed to be, right? You may watch, like, Toy Story. And, you know, you're, like, nudging your spouse or your friend, like, how come we can't be like Woody and Buzz Lightyear? Like, you would never do that for me, you know? Or you're not crying at the end of Up because you're like, finally, someone else with a house that has balloons to fly to another continent. Like, finally, I can relate to someone. You're like, no, it's like this guy has gone through pain and suffering, but walks through it to find joy in life at the end, right? And you're like, yes, that's how it's supposed to be right there. I can relate to that, right? So you have these like crazy things. And in similar ways, you know, people get sucked into to romantic movies. And while I think a lot of it's over-glorified and, and unrealistic in many ways, there's still a sense of like, yes, that's the way love is supposed to be. Why is it so hard when I try to love people? Or how come no one loves me? Like, when am I going to find my Ryan Gosling? Like, come on. <laughs> right? We're all thinking it. I just said it, okay? Uh, in, in the same way, in the same way, God gives us a taste. He gives us a glimpse 
of what life could be like. You know, if you have any experience with God, if you've come to Christ in any way, you have this experience, right, that God has done something in your life. He's changed you in some way. He's maybe done a miracle in your life, brought some breakthrough in your life, and you're like, man, this is awesome. But then you wake up the next day, and it's like, okay, it's not like that all the time. You know, that's the way the kingdom of God is like. So we're going to dive into this paradox of now and not yet. So let's talk about the kingdom. Everything in the Bible, if you read through the Bible, everything from Genesis, the first book, to Revelation, the very last book at the end, points to Jesus, points to Him being the Savior of the world, to Him being the one who can make things right. And so when Jesus arrives on the scene, people are like paying attention. Okay, what's this guy talking about? Like, what's he going to do? And everything he talks about is about the kingdom of God. And let's look at Mark 1, 14 through 15. This is the way Jesus says it when he's like starting his public ministry. It says, Jesus went into Galilee, this uh, area in Israel, where he preached God's good news. And he says, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. So what is the good news? Or if you've been around, uh, you probably have heard the word the gospel. The gospel literally means the good news. So what is the gospel or the good news? It's that the kingdom of God is here. Now, if, if you haven't been around for a while, you're like, kingdom, what is the word kingdom all the time, like, what is this, like, Dungeons and Dragons, like, you have guys who live in their mom's basement playing with swords or something, like, no, like, that's not, the kingdom in the biblical sense is where God's rule and reign is taking place, and if you guys have your bulletins, you guys can take notes, fill in these things, I really want to make this applicable uh, and life-changing for us, the kingdom is where God's rule and reign are taking place. It's the king's domain, or it's where the kingly power of God or authority of God is at work, is is in is active in reality today. Okay? And it's not so much a place. If it was if the kingdom was a place, you could say, oh well, Manhattan is definitely in the kingdom and Lawrence is absolutely not in the kingdom, right? But it's it's not how it is. The kingdom is where God's rule and reign is taking place, where the reality of earth looks a lot like the reality of heaven, where the way things are happening here in our daily lives looks a lot like the way God originally planned for it to be, right? And so, uh, you know, it's pretty obvious when, you know, the kingdom is not in a place. How many of you guys have worked in, like, a really toxic, like, work environment that's, like, there's petty catfights, you know, there's, like, inter-office politics, you know, going on. You're like, the kingdom is definitely not in this place. Like, what's going on here? Because you, you just kind of have a sense, like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Like, this is it's something, I kind of have a sense of what it should be like. I wouldn't be able to say it, maybe, but I kind of know this isn't it, you know. That's kind of what the kingdom is like, right? So, on the other side, there's some verses in the Bible that talk about how Jesus isn't going to come back until every people group on the planet has an opportunity to respond to the gospel, right? And so, uh, many Christians have made it their goal, hey, we're going to convert every person on the planet, so then Jesus comes back, right? And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. It's, I work with a, a campus ministry trying to reach campus leaders, right, to reach the world more quickly, right? But we have a friend named Dennis Peacock who said one time, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed when the last person on the planet becomes a Christian. Everyone's a believer, and Jesus still doesn't come back. Because how many of you guys know, how many of you guys can relate to just because you profess faith in Christ doesn't mean that every detail of your life is surrendered to God's reign in your life? like, ugh, ow, <laughs> like, that hurts, right? They're like, okay, yeah, I like, I've said, God, I want you to have your way in me, but it doesn't mean that my life fully looks like the way it's supposed to yet, right? 
That's, that's what this is like. So let's talk about the kingdom is now. The first side of this paradox, this, the first side of this tension that we live in is the kingdom is now. Jesus said, remember we just read in Mark 1, Jesus said the kingdom is here. The kingdom of God is, is now. But you know, most of the time we don't wake up feeling like it. We're like, I don't really feel like the kingdom's here. I'm kind of grumpy. I'm still broke. And my life isn't really as cool as I thought it would be. And you know, honestly, that kind of just sums up my message for the day. So if we get that, we're good. No, but he goes further. He says some stronger things. The strongest statement about the kingdom being here today in reality is in Matthew 12, 28. Jesus says, If it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then indeed the kingdom of God has come upon you. Anyone want to take a guess at what the miracle Jesus did most often was? Casting out demons. Everywhere he went. It was like an exorcism movie. He's just like, boom, boom, like, you know? And everywhere he went. So, if indeed that's what he was doing, then the kingdom is here. And then he goes on in Matthew twelve twenty nine, the next verse. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger, like, hint, hint, the guy like, that just cast out all these demons, like me, the guy looking at you, right? Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. So in these, in these verses, Jesus just declared that, hey, I invaded the kingdom of Satan, the, the bad guy's house, and I tied him up, and I'm setting people free, right? Every time he cast a demon out, he was delivering someone from under the power of the enemy, right? And so there's a, a famous theologian named George Eldon Ladd who um, fleshed out a lot of these ideas of the kingdom of God. And he said this about these two verses that we just read. In these two verses is embodied the essential theology of the kingdom of God. Now that's kind of a big, wordy statement, but instead of waiting until the end of the age to reveal His kingly power and destroy satanic evil, Jesus declares that God has acted in His kingly power to curb the power of Satan. So, instead of waiting until the end of history to do something, say, hey, just now, I just did something. I'm doing something right now. I'm diminishing the power the enemy has in your life now, today. The kingdom is now, right? So what does this look like? Man, some of these baptism videos, those, that's what it looks like. I love these testimonies. Hey, I was like this. I had a lot of like brokenness and fear and anger in my life. And when God like took a hold of me, man, He like realigned that. He like took that under His authority, changed it, brought healing. He restored it to the way it was supposed to be, right? Uh, a different kind of example, uh, last week when we had that uh, spiritual gifts activation seminar in Lawrence uh, with some leaders from Bethel Church in California, excuse me, and uh, Marcel and I, uh, one of the singers up here, we got to pray for my boss, actually, Rich Lorenzo, who's the president of Call to Greatness in Lawrence, and he had really bad tennis elbow, you know, like anytime he moved it or touched it, he'd have this shooting pain in his elbow, and, and so like, oh yeah, let's, let's pray for your elbow, so we just like put our hands on his elbow, and it was like, alright, like in the name of Jesus, like, elbow be healed, and he's like, guys, like, it's gone, like, the pain's like gone, and like, he's like poking it and stuff, and he's like, man, it's like, it feels great, like, it hasn't felt like this in a while, right? That's the kingdom, now, in the now, changing reality, like, bringing the power of God to change something, right? In this instance, his elbow, right? Another example, men's encounter about a month and a half ago, uh, a different friend of mine prayed for this guy, I didn't even know the guy, but he couldn't stand up straight. He was like hunched over all the time because the like lowest vertebrae in his back, right above his waist, like something was 
pinched or like off or something. And so he, anytime he like stood up straight, he'd have this shooting pain up in, up his spine, and his legs were actually like numb like most of the time. So he like would kind of walk like this, and this is like a really athletic looking guy. Like he wasn't old; he was like 28 or something, you know. And so he like takes my hand and he like puts it on his spine. I was like, oh, this is awkwardly close to you, you know. And uh, <laughs> and I was like, okay, whatever. Like we'll pray for you, you know. And so and so we pray for it. Like okay, like. In the name of Jesus, like, spine, like, be healed. Like, be the way it's supposed to be. And nothing magical. And, and it, like, I kid you not, like, I felt something move, like, under my hand. Like, I felt like things were, like, pushing on my hand. I was like, what the, like, man, do you feel something? Because I feel something. This is crazy. <laughs> and he's like, and so he, like, stands up straight. He's like, oh, my God. Like, what the? This is crazy. And he was, like, walking around circles, like, doing high knees and stuff. Like, guys, like, I think it's better. Like, this is crazy. And we're like, yeah, man, like that's the power of God, like in your life, in the now, changing you, right? And I'm not like a chiropractor. I wasn't like doing ninja moves on his back, you know, like, like, you know, no. It was, I was, man, God, do something. Only you. Can, I can't do this. I don't have the magic words or anything, but it's God. It's the power of God at work here today, and changed his life. A different kind of example. Uh, I know a lot of you guys have heard the story. Growing up, I was like embarrassingly shy like really, really shy. And so flash forward to when I graduated from college, I came on staff with Call to Greatness and we raised support. So I was uh, visiting some of the people that I grew up going to church with, some of my dad's friends that I hadn't seen since like high school. And, you know, I gave them my presentation. I'm like, hey, this is what we're doing. It's going to be awesome. This is the vision. This is their strategy. We're reaching leaders, all this stuff. He lets me finish my whole thing. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. Okay, this is really great. But I have a question. What the heck happened to you? Like, you never said a full sentence to me in your life. <laughs> and now you're, like, passionately communicating, like, this vision and this strategy that you have for the world, you know, and all this stuff. What the heck happened? And I was like, I mean, man, like, God, like, took a hold of my life, man. You know, he, like, I, like, surrendered some stuff in my life. And, man, those areas changed as I let God have them, you know. That was the kingdom of God at work in my life, in the now changing me, right? So me, 10 years ago, is very different than me now, right? It, you wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the same at all. So my, I have a few sub-points under the, the kingdom is now. The first one is the kingdom realigns our lives now, like today. It's possible. Three years ago, I broke my arm, and it was really, like, really bad. I held the whole, like, S-curve going on, like, in my wrist. You know, you look at it, it was like this. And I went to the doctor, and he x-rayed it, and he was like, whoa, this is one of the worst breaks I've ever seen. How many of you guys know, like, when the doctor is, like, shocked, then it's, like, pretty bad. It's like, oh, gosh, wow. And, you know, but he's, it was broken in six places, my wrist, and, uh, but he's like, you know, this is bad, but we can fix it. Like, so I went into surgery the following week. I had a titanium plate put in. I had some screws put in. Three months later, it's like nothing ever happened. It's like I never broke my arm. I mean, you have a, a scar that's fading, but it's like, dude, nothing happened. In the same way, the kingdom realigns our lives just like that. When we interact with God, He identifies things in our lives. It's like, hey, that's not right. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Let me, let me reshape that the way it's supposed to be. For instance, He sees our selfishness, right? And He's like, ooh, that's, yeah, that's not the way I made you. That's, you know, I didn't made, make you to be like that. Let me realign that with selflessness. Let me realign your selfishness with compassion and a willingness to act for people, right? Let me, let me change that. 
You know, he sees uh, the way we treat people, right? He sees uh, our greed or our lust or whatever it is. He sees our pride, right? How many of you guys know sometimes he like points to things like, oh, that's one of the worst breaks I've ever seen. <laughs> You're like, oh, really? Like, can you fix it? You know, he's like, yeah, okay, that's, that's really bad, but I can fix it. I can fix that. And in his grace, in his kindness, he takes it in his hands and he gently, sometimes it doesn't feel gentle to us, you know, but, but he takes it, he reshapes it, he realigns it, right? The kingdom today realigns our lives to it the way they're supposed to be, right? So if indeed Jesus casts out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom is here today in our midst. And guys, Jesus has tied up the bad guy and he's setting people free and he's delivering back the things that the enemy stole from you today. And that's my next point. The kingdom takes back what the enemy stole from you today. Now, you may be like, what? Like, Satan hasn't stolen anything from me. Like, he doesn't walk into your house and walk out with your TV or your wallet or anything like that, right? But he steals stuff from you. He steals stuff from us all the time, right? For example, you were made to walk in boldness, but you don't walk in boldness all the time, right? Because Satan convinced you that you're not really good enough, that you don't have what it takes. Or if you're a Christian, you know, the Bible says, hey, if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God living in you, and you can do anything if you believe. But you don't live like that because Satan convinced you of the lie that, hey, the Spirit of God in you, that's really not enough. Or, or you're just, you're not doing it right. Or you're, you know, whatever it is, you just believe this lie. He's stolen your boldness from you, right? In a, same, in a similar way, he takes away your hope. He steals your hope when he gets you to believe, hey, like we were at this, this conference last week and, and he uh, was telling us about this, like Satan often gets us to believe there's something uniquely wrong with you, Right? They're like, okay, other people have problems, but you're like, there's something way worse about you than anybody else. So you're kind of just messed up, like, suck it up. He steals your hope, right? Or he steals your hope when he gets you to believe that God just doesn't really care. Like, he doesn't really want to act in your life. He could, but he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to act in your life. Or the, the mistakes you've made in the past are they're just too bad. You're scarred forever. You just got to suck it up and kind of stick it out, right? He's stolen your hope. He steals our opportunities to grow. This one hits close to home for me. When we believe the lie that, hey, the people around me, they can't really teach me anything, right? I should be teaching these people. Like, what do they know, right? Or if you're a Christian, it gets you to believe, hey, you don't need the church. You don't need community. You don't need the people of God in your life to become everything God's made you to be. He's stolen your opportunity to grow and be who God's made you to be when you believe that right? Last, last example, he steals your joy when he convinces you that your happiness is dependent upon your circumstances. Like we sang in this last song, doesn't matter what I feel, doesn't matter what I see, my hope is in the promises of God. Yeah. Hey, I'm having a really horrible day, but I can still be a powerful person. I can still have joy. I can still have hope for the future because I'm a powerful person. I, my life isn't reflected about the things around me right? So the kingdom is now, here today for us. So why do we need to know this? Um, you might say, hey, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for 5, 10, 20 years, or whatever, and man, I've seen some cool things happen, and I'm feeling pretty good about it, you know? And man, if we don't get this today, that the, the kingdom is, is now, even if you're not a Christian, if, whether, wherever you're at, whether you've been in church your whole life or not, if we don't get this, the kingdom is now, we can miss out. On, on so much of what God wants to do in our lives. If we don't, man, our experience of God, 
of our life, our perception of other people, is going to be so far diminished from what is available. So let me say that again. It's really powerful for us. If we don't take a hold of this truth and live in this reality, the, the, our experience of God working in our life, our experience of what our life looks like, our perception of our life, our perception of other people, is going to be so far less than what is really available to each of us today. Like, man, God has so much more for us. So the kingdom is now. Now let's look at the opposite side of the, the coin. The opposite side is the kingdom is also not yet. That's the next, the, kind of the opposite side. The kingdom is not yet. And let's look at 1 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. Um, this is written by probably one of Jesus' most famous disciples. You know, the, the guy that went surfing with Jesus. Right? Yeah, okay. He went walking on the water with, with Jesus. That was, that was the joke, okay. Um, but he's writing this, this letter to this group of people, these Christians in these cities. And he says, hey, this letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, did you catch that? Peter's writing to these people, these Christians in these cities, and he describes them as God's chosen people who are living as foreigners where they are. Now, what does he mean, foreigners? Like, is he talking about, like, okay, they're like Canadians, but they're living in Greece, and, you know, every time the World Cup rolls around, they're not rooting for Greece, they're rooting for Canada. Like, no, he's not talking about that. He's not talking to, hey, you're not from those cities. He's talking to all Christians. So, I mean, he's talking to you and I. That there's a sense that you and I, when we come to Christ, we are now, the Bible says that we're now citizens of heaven, right? And, and we've, we've tasted and we've seen of what the kingdom is like. You know, God's maybe done a miracle in your life where he's, you know, brought some breakthrough in your life. Or like me, you know, I was really shy and now I'm not. So I've seen the way the kingdom can be. I've seen the way God has made life to be. But I don't experience it all the time, right? And, and the surroundings, the things around me, when I'm at work or I'm on campus or, you know, I'm at the grocery store or wherever, it's like, okay, this isn't fully the way that it's supposed to be. There's a sense that I'm in a, a foreign land, so to speak. I'm, I'm in a different system than what I was really made for. Right? And so in that sense, you and I are foreigners, where, even where we are. Like, okay, I was born here in, in America, and, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm an American or whatever, but in a sense, I'm a foreigner here because the system, the values, the way that the world works in this place is different than the place I was made for. Right? And so, you know, there's a frustration sometimes. You experience pain or, or things. It's like, man, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And let's think about it for a second. I mean, people still get sick, right? People still die. People still have horrible things happen to them all, all the time. There's still injustice in the world that's ruining people's lives. Right? I mean, there's like children like suffering in the world today. Like, that's not the way it was supposed to be. You know, it's like frustrating. Like, God, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Like, why is this happening? Feel me? You like relate to this. Like we experience this every day. The people in this room, all of us have experienced pain or suffering to some degree, right? Some of us a lot more than others. But there's this sense, this frustration. This is not the way it's supposed to be. Well, so while we have this sense of, and this experience with God, it's like, man, okay, this is awesome. It's not like that in everything, in every detail, right? And so my first kind of sub-point on this side of the coin is, the kingdom has not yet destroyed the enemy. 
Another one of Jesus' disciples, John, he says the same thing in a different way. In 1 John 5.19, he says it like this. We know that we are children of God. Well, that's awesome, right? We're children of God. But he goes on, and the world around us is under the control of the evil one. And you're like, wait a minute. I thought we just talked about Jesus tied up the bad guy. Like, I thought Satan was completely powerless now. Like, what the heck? You're lying to me, man. Like, what's going on? I thought, like, these miracles and stuff, that's really cool. Like, what's going on? And, and Satan's power, think back about that quote we looked at or George Eldon Ladd, he said, Satan's power has been curbed, which means it's been severely diminished. He hasn't been completely destroyed. Jesus does actually have all authority. You read Matthew 28, Jesus says it himself, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. I can do whatever I want, right? But that doesn't mean that Satan has been completely destroyed yet. You see, at the first coming, when Jesus came, he was born, you know, we're about to celebrate Christmas, he, he came, and Satan's power was limited. And at the second coming, like the end of history, when Jesus comes back, right, the second coming, that's when the enemy will fully destroy. So here we live in this kind of limbo area. Okay, like his power's been limited. He can't do whatever he wants, but he's also still there, right? He's also still there trying to, like, speak in my ear, trying to get me to, to believe things that aren't true, right? And so his power, he can't, like, you, know, you see horror movies, you see people, like, floating around on the ceiling, like, Like, he can't do that to you unless you let him do that to you. And so, his goal is just to convince you, you can't do what God has made you to be, so that you will check yourself out of the game. It's like you're at a basketball game, and the player comes to the course, coach, put me on the bench, like, I don't want to play anymore. It's like, what player would ever do that? Well, if they don't believe they have what it takes, then they're going to be like, coach, don't put me in. In the same way, Satan is doing that stuff to you. Like we talked, he's stealing your joy. He's stealing your hope. When he does those things to you, when you let him steal those things from you, you're taking yourself out of the game. You're putting yourself out of commission, in a sense, rendering your, yourself useless for what God has made you to do and to be. Right? So that's the power that the enemy has. He can't you know, put voodoo magic on you or anything like that, but he can convince you of things that aren't true. And you limit what you allow God to do in your life. So he's still running around. So the kingdom has not yet destroyed the enemy. My second point under this this side is the kingdom has not yet fully reversed the curse. The kingdom has not yet fully reversed the curse. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, they rebelled against God. They, They brought this curse on not only themselves. You know, we experience pain and stuff, but the earth is also experiencing pain, like, I mean, natural disasters, hurricanes, they destroy stuff, right? That's because of the curse. Well, we still have those. We still have those in the world today, right? But God's ultimate plan is to reverse those things and bring it back, all of creation, physical, world, us as people, our experience, back to the way it was supposed to be in the garden, right? And it hasn't been fully happening yet, right? It's, it's happening. We're seeing it, but it's not fully happening yet. Right? So we live in this tension, but the day will come. The day will come. Revelation talks about the day will come when every tear will be wiped away. There will be no more pain. There will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. When and you who lost a loved one, you who lost a child, you have pain, you have tears, that will be wiped away. You will be restored to the way it was supposed to be. So we live in this tension between these two sides. And sometimes it's frustrating, right? This is the way it's supposed to be, but it's not all the way like that. So I have a few conclusions that I think will really change the way, like I said at the beginning, if we change the way we view this, it really drives us deeper into a more full experience 
um, of, of our life. So what are these things? So let's look back at the first side we talked about, the kingdom is now. If we live in the reality that the kingdom is now, it'll drive us deeper. So I have three things. It'll drive us deeper to conquer sin. The idea of victory is possible now. Jesus has made a way for you today. Conquer sin. You have, you have a, a selfishness deal. You have a pride trip. You have a lust issue. You have a, gr- a greed deal. Man, surrender that to God. He can give you victory in that area today. He can bring that to you today. So let that drive you deeper. God, take this from me. Give me what it takes to be the man, to be the woman that you made me to be in this area. Let it drive you to pursue miracles. God's miraculous power is available to you today. Man, like these examples of, of these guys getting healed, physically, miraculously healed today. I mean, that's possible. Let God, let this reality drive you. It's, it's available today. The third thing, expect breakthrough. Anything is possible to those who believe. Jesus said, hey, if you believe, you can move mountains. And what, he wasn't just saying that to make you feel good. He said, hey, if you believe, I can do what you need me to do. I can do that for you today. All right, so the other side of it, because we've got to live in this tension. We can't just live on that side. It might lead us to prosperity gospel. I can have whatever I want, whenever I want. God's a genie who does whatever I want. No, that's, that's not all of it. We also live in this tension on the other side. The kingdom is not yet. And if we live in this reality as well, it will drive us deeper to endure hardship. How can you endure? Because you know this is not the end for me. Even if I die today, this is not the end for me. Which brings us to the second point. This can drive us deeper to hope for the future. There's a bright future ahead. There's a bright future in this world. The, the Bible talks about the kingdom is spreading all the time. They use the analogy of like yeast in you're making bread. Yeast spreads slowly throughout the entire batch of dough and affects everything. It's so the kingdom today is slowly spreading, affecting everything we see in the world. It's, it's advancing. It's growing. It's changing things. right? But also, one day it will be fully happening. Well, we will live in a day where there's no tears. There's a bright future ahead. So we can hope for that. The last thing is, is we eagerly await His return. We've had a taste, right? We've seen God do something. Maybe you want to see God do something, but we eagerly wait. Okay, the fullness of His kingdom is coming. One day, we will fully see it. We will be there fully, all in. Everything's different, right? So we eagerly await. I kind of alluded to this earlier. Philippians 3.20 says, But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for Him to return as our Savior. So man, Jesus is doing something in the world. Now we can't live in one of the two extremes. We've got to live in both. You live on one extreme, you're not doing anything with your life. You're, you're camped out in your prayer closet and you're just waiting for Jesus to come back and that's it. You're not doing anything. On the other side, you live in this extreme. It's okay, all we have is today. God, give me a million dollars. Let me just be, have the most comfortable life. Take away all my problems. That's also not how it is. We live in this tension between these two realities. right? So we've got to embrace both and see the fruit of both in our lives today. So let's recap real quick. We talked about the kingdom is now and not yet. right? These two realities. The kingdom is, is not a Dungeons and Dragons map, uh, but it's where God's rule and reign is happening today, right? which will lead us uh, to realign our lives. It will give us back what the enemy has taken from us today. But it's also not yet, 
right? Which means the enemy hasn't fully been destroyed and the curse hasn't fully been reversed, right? So let's realign our lives with these, these principles. And may I trust that God is going to work powerfully in our lives as we embrace these things and change the way that we view it and drive us deeper into the fuller experience that God has for each of us today. So let me pray for us, and then Jenny will come up and give us some world-changing opportunities. God, thank you so much, Lord, that you are here, Lord, that you are powerful, and God, that you are doing something amazing in the world today. God, we can have hope. We can have joy. Lord, you are doing something incredible in each one of our lives. God, I pray that you would change us in, in the, the ways that we view this. Um, in the way that we, we view this when we go to work. Hey, God is at work now. But there's also a bright future coming ahead. God, keep our eyes fixed on you, the author, the one who really does this for us. In Jesus' name, amen.